0: Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Girl, Girl Dad, Dad show. show. Welcome to the Girl Dad Show, a professional parenting podcast. Each month I interview entrepreneurs, leaders, and professionals who are balancing parenthood, life, and profession in the hopes to learn what it takes to be an amazing professional parent. Our guest today is Jared Munts. You're going to love this show. Jared was a professional soccer player and used that to become a soccer coach, launched multiple businesses, then started to own other verticals. And now he is also running a small business acquisition company. And it's all codified around this concept of, you know, giving people bigger dreams and helping them achieve their dreams. And it's a very, very unique uh, episode with a very unique man, very thoughtful, very philosophical. And uh, we talk a lot about how he uses those uh, coaching skills and philosophies to be a better parent and dad, and how he mixes the two things together. Uh, I learned a ton from him, and I can't wait for you to check out the episode. Jared, what's going on, man? Thank you so much for joining me on the Girl Dad Show today. Uh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm excited to be here, young. I'm so excited. It's like uh, we've been working on getting you on the show for, I want to say, months, yeah,
1: yeah, we had, uh, we had it scheduled, and then um, I think I got COVID and had to cancel, and uh, anyway, we're here now, so.
0: I know, but we've been talking about having you on for, I think, a couple of months. I mean, we've been, yeah, like, yeah, going back and forth. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was, like, our first convo, and you're like, we should have just, like, I think our first convo ended with, I should have recorded this whole thing for the podcast. So, I was like, <laughs> 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 so we, we are here now, and it's been fun, like, I wish we almost had, like, a drive of our friendship you know, know. coming from from Isaiah. And so this has been this has been great.
0: That is really funny. I do remember having our first call discovery call and going, man, we should just hit the record button. That would have been awesome. So now I got to remember what we talked about so we could try to recreate it. (laughs) Um, It is also funny to talk to you here today, because I feel like um, in this last week, I think I've had like a call with you almost every other day this week.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we have we've had a couple of calls today. Part of me is like, I'm like, I don't even know if I have Young's phone
0: number yet. Should I have his number? I feel like we've talked enough. We should be texting occasionally. Yeah, we totally should be. Yeah, we we should definitely be uh, text friends at this point. I mean, I seriously think I've had like four meetings with you this yeah, week. Yeah, so. yeah,
1: it's been good. I've sent you a loom. I've I'm about to reply
0: to an email for you. I'm like, what? This is great. This is great. Yeah, but let's jump into it um, because I definitely think that the listeners um, now know that you, know, you and I have been talking and trying to get this going for a few months now. But I don't necessarily know if everyone knows you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you, uh, what you do for a living?
1: My name is Jared Muntz. I Essentially, I help people. I care about research dreams, and I do that through uh, multiple different uh, businesses. So I'm a former pro soccer player. I was a small-town kid with a big dream. Played in MLS for a couple of years before I got hurt. Started a soccer camps business um, back in 2006. We have hundreds of videos on YouTube that are totally free, so we help players all around the world improve their game. And then um, people in America come to our soccer camps. And then uh, my wife and I own some Pure Bar Fitness studios and helping uh, the clients achieve their fitness goals. And then recently, um, some partners and I launched a company called Giverfly, where we help caring leaders fly. And we're acquiring uh,
0: service-based
1: small businesses in the Southwest from uh, caring leaders looking to retire.
0: That's amazing. I um, love how much you do and the breadth of uh, the work that you're doing. and it's really um, lovely how you're able to succinctly articulate all of it, because it sounds like it all kind of unifies and ties together to a certain degree, the way you just articulated that. I really got to figure that out for myself, because when people ask me what I do for a living, I literally just like have a, like a, a blank stare back at them now, because I don't know how to explain what I do anymore. And I just <laughs> kind of go up with the, like, the cheeky, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up line, you know, and just kind of let it pass. But that was a really great explanation. I, I will say, I didn't know that you were a professional soccer player, I thought you were just passionate about soccer but you actually played soccer. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Wait, so what years? Like would you do that right after college? Like Yeah,
1: I did. I um I played uh 2005, 6, 7, 8 and then retired in 2009 with an injury, but Yeah, I grew up in Louisiana, small town like outside New Orleans. Uh that was my dream. Yeah. Uh, pushing it and uh, I didn't really know where I was going. to MLS started in 96. I graduated high school in 01. So soccer was on once a once a week back then in Louisiana. Now it's everywhere. It's yeah. incredible. It's like, yeah. awesome. Oh, and, yeah. It's huge. All the stadiums. Um, but yeah, that was my dream. Yeah. And a lot of new teams, too. I mean, it's gotten so big. Yeah, so big. And then, like, even minor league markets are getting stadiums and all the real estate development going around it. It's really impressive. And um, yeah, it's neat. You know, we were, I was interviewing my teammates in like 06 on YouTube where it was you were filming on a tape and then attaching wires to the computer to get this this footage uploaded and um a lot of them now are head coaches in in england and america and oh wow um, it's been neat and then launching this online soccer academy like helping the next generation kind of come up and um yeah it's been
0: it's been cool that's amazing and so you took your passion for soccer and you turned it into your business yeah Tell me about that. What made you make that jump? I mean, were you just trying to figure out what you wanted to do once you injured yourself? Was it like, uh, it sounds like one of those like movies where like you know this like uh, you know this athlete goes through this like emotional mental crisis and then they like have to reinvent themselves, right?
1: Yeah. So I am very proud of the fact that I didn't have to go through that emotional like emotional mental crisis. That you know I I was a person and I was also a soccer player, and I started coaching while I was playing. Part of that was a love for um, coaching and, like, helping helping players. Like, I didn't have this knowledge. I, was, I watched a VHS tape every day from Manchester United, like their 1999 highlights every day. That's what I was studying and watching. And um, so I just felt this, like, need to give back and teach people what I know now that I wish I knew when I was a kid. And a yeah. lot of what I did in 2006 when I was just, like, trying to figure out what it is. I'm, I'm still doing, I'm still doing now. Um, so part of it was like love for the game and giving back. And then the second part was I was a rookie pro in America you know, making barely minimum wage.
0: Oh, like, got you know, it. I also needed to, uh, you know, uh, support myself, make money to live. Yeah. yeah. So, um, can I ask what was the payback then? Cause I know oh it's gone my, up a lot. I mean, Oh my God. It's
1: gone up so much when like some of these rookie contracts now and you're just going like, they're like six figures and up and, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the particular contract I was on back then, I think, it was like twelve grand the first year, and then sixteen the second. Wait uh, for the year. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. And that wasn't everyone. And normally I don't share that, but I guess enough time has gone by. But for me, I didn't care. You know, that was my dream. I was living it. I mean, there's guys on the team making high six figures. Um, you know, I just I knew the fact that I played pro would serve me well into the future regardless of anything yeah you know
0: what's also the epitome of uh of uh, of success is if as it relates to being an athlete in a sport right like going pro is like hey you've like notched your way up you've done all this training through middle school high school whatever i don't know how long you were playing it but like going pro is a huge accomplishment in that kind of uh, uh what's it called drive for success or what a qualifying factor would be right so yeah
1: yeah, and for me and for me that was my that was my goal. That, you know, that and I tell kids, just because you play soccer doesn't mean you have to go pro or have to play in college. Sometimes there's always this extra pressure. Yeah. But for me that was my goal. I wanted it. I pushed it, you know, um constantly like making those small improvements and a lot of that has been very similar in my business career, right? Like get to this level, yeah. make some improvements, get to this level, make some improvements.
0: I love that. And I love that you talk to that talk to that point with your um students because you know, the math it's so funny to me. Like it's the same thing with business. You know, when you build a business and you grow in the corporate ladder, like it gets smaller and smaller in the opportunities as you climb up. And yet we, we have this like weird cultural, like societal thing that we teach, especially in America where like, you could be anything you want to be. You got to dream it. You can want it. And then like, we tell every single kid that, and then, but then it's, like, the reality is that, like, there's only, like, one or two percent of the people that will actually ever climb up to that point. So there's a vast majority of people that won't make it just from sheer math and logic. And yet, you know, we we instill this kind of – I mean, I'm not saying it's bad to instill um, potential and, and promise to the youth, but – it's one of those things that I've been, like, really struggling a lot with, like, my kids and being a parent is, like, how much do I say, you could be whatever you want to be. You could do whatever you want to do. And and then the reality is also, like, you know, I just want you to be happy and healthy, you know, like, and just understand that not everyone needs to be the president of the United States or, you know, the CEO of a major company, right? Mm-hmm.
1: It's so nuanced, right? And um, that is something I didn't get growing up, and I try to give now, either through my coaching or through our coaches' coaching is – or like our core mission is um inspire players if you believe in it and back that up with hard work anything in life is possible so we let them know it is about confidence and and it's your dream whatever that is not just because your neighbor has this dream you have to have that but then it's also like the backing it up with hard work and depending who I'm talking to I'll also say smart work cuz a lot of people just work hard but they're not working smart yeah but we do like, whether I'm coaching a player or mentoring someone or mentoring myself, like in business, like I am trying to say, what's your why? Like, what do you want? Just because you have a business doesn't mean you have to be at the top. Yeah, I'm in Kentucky right now. Um, with my wife and her family, she's from this area. And there's a person here who wanted to uh, franchise his gym and like, uh, randomly, we got introduced and, and I offered some perspective. I was like, Well, that's really cool. You want a franchise, but um, like, what do you want? Like, what's your personal yeah. why? Like, well, yeah. I want to travel. My kid's a really good football player, and I want to be able to travel and do this and that. And so, man, that sounds awesome. But if you're gonna launch a franchise, or like, you're not gonna be traveling. <laughs> I would be. So if I was a franchisee, and I found out you were on the road all the time with your kid. You know, I'm like, why don't instead of just franchising and needing a hundred units to get crazy profitable or have an exit maybe just have five gyms that people run for you. And he was like, you know, and just kind of like shifting it a little bit.
0: I love that, man. So I try to I try to do that with kids, right? Like I try to do that with kids. Like it's, it's okay. Like you can play soccer. Just love it. Well, at least remember why you're doing
1: it, right? Yeah. Like I, I just want to know like, okay, you really want to go pro? Awesome. It's an amazing time to go pro. There's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Just because you do something doesn't mean you have to. That's right. My, my, my father, I did some color commentary once, uh, and it was really fun. It was like two games. Um, it really taught me a lot about being on cameras for, like, the SEC networks, some women's college games. My dad's like, oh, you could be a color comment. You could go on TV. and You could do this. I was like, Dad, Dad, hold on. I am doing this. <laughs> and to learn something new. That's it. I love your enthusiasm, but please don't put that on me that I need to go yeah. do all this stuff just because. I'm going to do something for fun.
0: Wow. Actually, I kind of want to dive into this. Let's, let's go back. Let's come back to this. Cause I actually want to, um, talk about your kids. So let's talk yeah. about your kids. Can you tell me a little bit about, um, your kids? How old are they? How many do you have? Yeah.
1: I have two beautiful little girls, Skylar girl and dad. Yeah. Girl dad. I got my girl dad shirt here. This is my, um, oldest Skyler. Awesome. She just got to go to a uh, cheerleading camp where my wife went to school.
0: Oh, wow. Look how brave she is.
1: Uh, so she was having a lot of fun. And then um, this is my uh, youngest, Hayden.
0: Oh, awesome. Tiny. She's a baby.
1: Yeah. 17 months and talking up a storm and just it's really fun. That
0: is really fun. Yeah. So what is it? What, a two-year-old and a seven-year-old? A 17-month-old and a uh, soon-to-be five-year-old. Oh, Wow. She's really she's really agile.
1: She's very athletic. She's quite the athlete. She does karate at school and plays soccer at school and I mean she's she's pretty good. Yeah, that's mm-hmm.
0: awesome. Do you love being a girl dad?
1: I do love being a girl dad. Yeah. It's uh amazing when they like run to you and they're just like, Come on. You just like get low and, and they come in for this big hug. It's just the best dad rush and it feels amazing. Um I do I do love it. I I've had people say like, "Do you want a boy and you know I don't really feel like I would be raising them that much different girl or boy, you know, for for me. Yeah. Uh, you know. So yeah, I love being a girl dad.
0: Yeah, me too. And that's a really interesting answer about raising them. I never even thought about it that way. When people ask me if I want a boy, I say, "Yeah, I definitely want a boy." I mean, I I'd love to have you know, I just want more kids period at the end. You know, I just don't know if we're gonna, it's in our, it's in our cards, but man, in hindsight, like now that I have kids, I'm like, God, I wish I started earlier and had more. Cause like, they're so, they're so stinking fun, you know, like, yeah. I just want as many of them as I can have. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, you live and learn, I guess.
1: Yeah. Our, our pandemic experience has been, has been, uh, you know, really challenging. So for us, my wife's like, no, I don't know. She says the door is uh, locked, but not dead bolted. I think
0: is what she said. Nice. That's clever. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's uh, – my wife says it's locked, dead bolted, and cemented over. So it's really <laughs> a no-go using the same analogy here. So maybe I'll have my wife hang out with your wife a little bit and hopefully we can get the cement doors locked up. Yeah.
1: Your girls are so cute, by the way. I love seeing your photos uh, all the fun they have.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I definitely am an oversharer. I, I love sharing um, – uh, my life and, and kind of my journey with my family. And I, I get I get like mixed reviews on that, right? Some people tell me like, you know, you shouldn't share so much in social and, and all that other stuff. But I also just like, I can't help it's my personality. You know, I just like to share, you know, about yeah. my life and what I'm working on and what I'm doing and, you know, and, and parenting and being a girl dad is a huge part of it for me. You know, it's like, it's kind of like, Actually, it's the primary, like I've, the whole reason why I even moved to Texas and even started consulting is so that I could really shift, you know, the primary focus to being a dad as my uh, front and center focus. So, uh, I feel like you have the same kind of sentiment. You, 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 you're, you're part of different groups and you have a really big focus on that as well too, right?
1: Yeah. I'm in a, I'm in a group called front row dads that I joined maybe two years ago and it's family first business second. Yeah. The majority of the people in the group are entrepreneurs Uh, Or they have a career and maybe trying to be an entrepreneur or they have a career that adds more flexibility, but it's it's nice to be around a group of people where it truly is family first, business second. Like if you came in there and you're like, Oh, I make seven figures a year and I do this. And uh, one of the veterans in the group would just say, well, show me your calendar. How's your marriage? How's your marriage? How are your kids? And if, and if you're not, if you don't have your calendar set where you're getting family time and date nights and and you're in a groovy spot with your wife, like they'll call you, they'll say, well, it's not cool in that group is what I'm trying to say, which I really like.
0: Yeah. The priorities are, the priorities are different. What they measure is different.
1: Yeah. So for me, it's at least from what I hear, like people that are very old and, you know, on their way out, it's like relationships matter the most. And these memories, it's not about finances and, and, but it's also that little balance of, uh, most people in that group, they are the hard hitters and pretty successful, and push it and work hard. So you're trying to have that balance between what you've been doing your whole life to get here, and then now having to of like recalibrate a little bit. Totally. And, and then you know, it's it can be tricky.
0: I think that's actually uh, something that I've had an epiphany on too, because it's like when you talk to these successful people that are older and wiser, and you say, "Hey, like looking back, like you know." What do you think is the most important? And they all say the same thing, exactly what you said. Like, I wish I spent more time with my kids or, like, spent more time with my family and all this other stuff. But I I have a feeling, like, recently I came to this epiphany because I've been kind of working on that mindset of, like, oh, if that's where I'm going to head anyways, I might as well start doing that now and, Mm -hmm. and heed that advice. But it's also really hard to do that without money. And I think that you would never even come to that realization unless you had certain levels of, not luxury, but security to yeah. have the ability to think about that so you do need to balance that between the two things a little bit because i think if you didn't have money you'd always be focused on money yeah. just by by not having it right and so i think the luxury of being able to say like "Oh, i wish i spent more time with my family kids and this is really what matters is because a lot of these other buckets have been satiated you know yeah i, I don't know i could be crazy but that's that's something that i've been like thinking a lot about the last like week
1: no no I. I think a lot about like that Maslow's hierarchy of needs where you have safety, shelter, food. And if, like, right. if safety isn't being met, like you're constantly in that lizard brain trying to get that sorted out. At least from what I see, like in this group I'm at is once those needs are met and it's like your family break even, your extra money. Now all that's really met. A lot of people, it seems... Don't have, at that point they just keep pushing it, right? Because that's what they've done their whole life, and then yeah. they're not mindful of, well, did I really need all that extra and and lose a valuable relationship time with my spouse and kids? And I think that's for me personally. That's what I'm trying. That's what I've tried to be mindful about is, okay, I'm gonna we're gonna make a little less, but we're gonna have more of this family time.
0: Yeah. Ultimately,
1: I think you can build bigger and stronger businesses because of that. Cause you're kind of forced to build teams and forced to delegate. Um, but yeah, it's, it can be tricky.
0: And do you think that that's how you're quantifying success in your business now is like figuring out how to like constrain your business success inside of a more tighter time frame? Uh, will you re re, will you, will you re-clarify that again? We say that question again. Uh, so let me, let me start by like telling you why I'm asking this question. Then I'll re ask the question, but like, for example, I, um, I have a lot of projects that I'm working on right now, like a numerous amount of like things that I'm doing. And it started because I started constraining my time, meaning like I dedicate a certain amount of time for family. And I simply dedicate a certain amount of time to do like, it just blocked time, right? And so it, like, limits how much time you have to achieve things. And so then it forced me to say, hey, I have to do all my consulting and I have to make this much money in this amount of time. And so then my brain started to do this thing where, like, it, like, started to go, oh, well, you can't get this done in this time. And over the course of the last two years, I started delegating certain things or hiring things out for certain things. And, and I was forced to do it because I basically wasn't moving the time frame. I had to make this much in this amount of time and whatever that looked like it had to be within that time frame. And then it forced my brain to get very efficient yeah. and optimized with the hours that I spent. And then the the thing that started happening is I started going, well, could I optimize that business in an amount of time? And, and so like a good example of this is that I have a very unsuccessful – so far it's unsuccessful um, – micro SaaS that I'm building, right? And so it's a, a budgeting tool <clears> – <throat> Uh, for solopreneurs, solopreneurs, uh, photographers, uh, photographers that are just doing a side job, right? They take photos as a side jobs or side hustle. It's a budgeting proposal and payment system. And it's a, it's a micro, I call it a micro SAS cause it really only does one thing, but we're going to make it do three things by the end of this uh, summer. Um, but the exercise was, can I build a SAS product with one hour a week? And that was like the, that. was the thesis, right? That was the project, and it was really just to test my brain and my ability to like confine success into this one hour. It's going horribly, James. Like, it's going terrible. I've been working on it for <laughs> working on it for like almost two years, right? And and like I've tried all sorts of things within that hour, but once that hour is up, click, I stop working on it, right? And it's just like it's infuriating because like. It's it's uh, the ultimate test in in like uh, discipline and time and then maximizing time efficiency and all sorts of other stuff and so um, but it's been a really fun exercise. And I, I would say that that exercise has helped me a lot to optimize my other, um, businesses. And it's allowed me to grow in ways that I'm like, oh, I could do this business with this amount of time, or I could do this business with this amount of time. Mm. And, uh, it's kind of like leveled me up to a certain degree, or at least make me think about, it's helped me make, it's helped me think about business in a different way. Yeah. So the question really is, is the same thing happening to you? Because you're also doing. Multiple things. Yeah. You have a soccer business camp that's very successful. That you've been building up. You all you own multiple um, uh, businesses that are uh, in the. You said it was a dry bar, or it was a oh no, it was a gym, right? Uh, pure, pure bar fitness studios, yeah. Pure bar. Yeah. yeah, got it. So pure bar, uh, pure bar businesses, and then now you're doing um, an SMB acquisition business, right? And so those are, those are. I mean, if if you talk to any person, you know, chances are eight out of 10 of them would say, I could probably do half of one of those. Yeah. So. And so how are you, how are you thinking about doing all these things? Lead leaders. Mindset shift. Yeah. That's how I'm
1: thinking about it. Yeah. Um, there, there's this book that um was very impactful on me. It's called Ego is the Enemy. And um, mm-hmm. it's about stoicism and um, I forget the author's name, but I think he's based in the Austin area. Um, and one of the big takeaways in that book was, what got me to here won't get me to there. And being so I took things I, I that, that book was impactful for me. And um, also this idea of who not how, and, and pouring into the right people. And I find whether it's business A or business B or business C, it's like very similar things are happening, very similar problems. So, you know, Mm. like, I feel like my job is, uh, let's take communications, for example, and our communication code. Let's write one communication code and use it across our portfolio versus like every Mm. business, like using a gazillion different things, like creative freedom within a culture of discipline. So yeah, pure bar is going to be a little bit different than soccer camps. But at the core, we still need to communicate with each other. Um, we still need to have certain processes in place. So but how do we standardize that and it brought on uh, like my business soulmate and best friend, who's the first kid I ever coached actually, his name's Steven, he's our COO. Um, so we've been trying to implement that the pandemic has been a huge pain in our butt. So, you know, we were kind of like doing like this, and we were hitting this growth stage, uh, pre pandemic where we're, uh, bought a second studio, bought the rights to build three more brought on Steven. Like we're really starting to grow and like do these things I was talking about. Pandemic has just been a nightmare for our businesses in Vegas boutique fitness and soccer camps. So I'm not in the place I exactly want to be, but we are getting there. You know, we just brought on a new leader at our soccer camps. Um, uh, and he's tasked with growing it and becoming the president and ceo um and then same with the acquisitions we won't we're not really doing deals unless we're putting the leader in place as well so that's part of my role is mm. recruiting the leaders who are who are who connect with our lead lightly style and and our operational style and then they have creative freedom within that culture of discipline
0: wow that's awesome yeah. so you've codified a lot of your operations yeah is how you've done this yeah, yeah. Got it. And then basically by codifying it, you're allowing, um, scale, uh, through these different verticals. Yeah. And so realistically, if you have this and you start to o- o- operationalize it, or you find the right leader and they, they go through that development curve of like learning to, uh, being masters of it, then theoretically you could add another vertical. Yeah.
1: So, um, for me, code equals scale. Naval Ravikant talks about, uh, new wealth being built on code. And for him, I think he's referring to software code. Right. And and for for me and, and our part and, and Steven and my wife and like our part, our portfolio, uh, we think about uh, operational code, um, leadership code and, tra- and like training code. You know, these internal training videos we make. Th- that's something that I, d- I didn't quite predict when I was starting Online Soccer Academy right. forever ago. Yeah. But hundreds of videos later, you know, I'm pretty good at being on camera and I'm pretty good at how-to videos and making them fun and enjoyable and um whether it's a 5-year-old learning or a 50-year-old it's amazing to see what you can learn from a video and then putting that style into our training videos and training other people how to make a decent how-to um so yeah for us we put extra time and energy into that because once we've written it it's you can start to scale it out
0: It's awesome man I love that And then if I can go back to, uh, I mean, you kind of sprinkled on it, but if I can go back to the main question that you ask uh, other people, but what's your why? What's your why for all these businesses and this growth and codifying this and operationalizing and optimizing and all these things? What's the why?
1: I think the why is to help people I care about reach their dreams.
0: It goes right back to the first question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. About like, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. You have a very solid why you started with that. Yeah. And
1: Like my love list is learning, making friends with strategic value. Um, the creative side of of business, brand, marketing, strategy, and then um, the leadership, uh, and and I'd, I'd put coaching in that. And whether whether it's a ten year old kid and 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 uh, our video helped them, you know, they live in a slum in India, they get made fun of on their after school soccer team, but they watched our videos and now they've improved a lot and they get picked first instead of being made fun of. Uh, whether it's that or you know, the new person we're putting into a potential acquisition here who, this is his dream to, to, to be a minor, to be a business owner. And, 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 um, we're giving him an opportunity that he never would have, had. um, you know, yeah, he, I love he's that. in his forties and he's great. And I've known him for a couple of years and I get kind of the rush from both of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. That's really, really great. Um, why and also success criteria. How much, of this concept, how much of these concepts do you apply to parenting? A lot. Do you really? Yeah. Do you really? I, I actually have a hard time believing that. That's awesome. I can't seem to successfully navigate my, my professional acumen and, and success to parenting. Like, that's incredible. Talk to me a little bit about like, some examples.
1: So our leadership style is, is what I defined as lead lightly and I, and I wrote this doc on it. Um, and it stems from this idea of no one cares how much, you know, until they know how much you care and redefine right. right, right, right. as win the relationship game first coach, second empower third. So, um, and there's little ways that we do that with, within that. So for example, um, we use this, uh, Part of winning the relationship game, I think is earning trust and that involves removing fear. So for example, uh, one of our pure RGMs, we really want to go out of our way to let her know and show her that if you make a mistake, we are not going to yell at you. Mm-hmm. We say no big deal. Um, mm-hmm. and we use that as a trigger phrase. So it's not, it's okay. It's going to be right. It's just no nope, mistake equals no big deal. So there's no thinking and and we start to remove that fear because who knows what her past job was and if she got yelled at or, you know, what mommy and daddy told her when she made a mistake. Um, yeah. So no big deal, for example, is something we apply in parenting. Our yeah. five-year-old, soon to be five-year-old Skylar, if she messes up her art project and you see her get frustrated, no big deal. It's all right. Hmm. Uh, it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to be upset, but you're not perfect and that's okay. So whether I'm saying that to a business partner or myself or a kid or my daughter, you know, we use that regularly and kind of a funny story is, so we've been doing this for her basically before she could even really talk. And, uh, I think she was like three, two and a half, three. And it was the middle of the night. Young, yeah. she's been screaming. She's not sleeping great. We're exhausted. It's like maybe 3 a.m. And my wife, Lauren, is downstairs getting a bottle or something for her to help. And you just hear Mm -hmm. like a glass shatter. And my my daughter went from crying to no big deal. She shouts. (laughs) And it was hilarious. I'm upstairs going, don't laugh, Jared. Don't laugh. And Lauren was fuming. You know, it's like so stressful at 3 a.m. And I was thinking, wow, she went from crying to no big deal. Like what a trigger that is, you know, uh, just from hearing the noise. So that's one example.
0: That's a great example. That's a great, great example. I love that. Do you have another one? I love- I've, I've, I'm actually surprised you even had one so clearly and succinctly. That's incredible. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm in the zone right now. Like when Will Ferrell blacks out in old school, he's like, I
0: don't, know what happened? Well, you know, uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> when he rocks out on the podium, uh, I'm trying to will another, another – another, we'll let's leave it at that one right now.
0: Yeah, that's a great one, man. I can't believe you popped that one out so quickly and easily. That's an amazing thing. I mean just to kind of allude to what I was saying earlier is that I've, I've tried to like um, <clears throat> use the same concepts when I do um, – um, um, when I do parenting, when I, when I'm, when I'm parenting, when I do, I guess you can use it as a verb like that, right? Yeah. But, um, it doesn't really work well for me. Like I feel like I'm, um, my wife's really patient and she's even keeled. I'm like, I find myself to be very, um, which is so funny because I'm so even keeled in business, you know, and I'm so pragmatic and operational, but like I get very rational and emotional, you know, and I get like so wrapped into my kids and, and it's um, it's really challenging for me to have that like it, it's weird like I can't it doesn't like transfer over for me it's like so strange yeah. and then so I'm either I'm either irrational or like I respond you know like you know not, not, not like even killed or I do the opposite I just like completely just like give in which is also equally bad mm-hmm. right like like I I'm, I spoil them yeah. rotten right I just spoil them rotten They're, I'm like the biggest pushover parent ever my wife constantly tells me she has three kids you know um, because I'm just like. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, do you resonate with this as well? Or do you feel like you're better at, you're better at holding your discipline? I'm, line? I can res, I can resonate with the feeling for sure.
1: I, it, yeah. I can resonate yeah. with the feeling for sure. And something I wrote down I think would be fun to share and, I'll, and I'm going to share it. Uh, I try to be mindful when that feeling comes on and like not react or give in. Now I have a little unfair mm. advantage cause I've been coaching you know, for almost 20 years now. So I, I know, I know yeah. I can't give in right now. I need to have the discipline to yeah. do that with my own kids, the way I've been able to so easily do it. Um, in Ray Diallo's book, uh, principles, he talks about algorithmic yeah. thinking and I love this idea of algorithmic thinking because whether I feel yeah. like I'm in a great mood or a bad mood, more than likely I'm going to do the same strategy or tactic. Is kind of how I want my brain to operate, whether it's business or personal. You know, regardless of how I'm feeling, I'm going to roughly do it the same way because we've already predefined this is how yeah. we're going to do it in our business. Or, um, and there's a there's a book that I read called The Whole Brain Child, um, and it's about child psychology, which, as I'm reading, I go it sounds just like adult psychology. But basically, it's saying your your right brain and your left brain, the right brains, the the emotional and the left brain is the logic. And when a when a child has a tantrum, it's like all emotion, and their right brain is is really firing. And what we do uh, what the book was saying was like, as parents, when the right brain is firing, a lot of us are trying to talk logic. But the, the two brains aren't integrated. So the only goal when when the right brain is firing, and the child's having the tantrum is just to calm them. As they Hmm. calm, taking those breaths or whatever, it's okay to feel that way. And as that right brain uh, integrates with the left, and now it's come down. That's when psychologists say you have like a healthy mental state when you have good integration versus this,
0: Mm. And I feel like I feel like my wife paid you five bucks to say <laughs> that in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And then, so so
1: at that moment, when it comes down, then I am trying to make the 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 mindful decision: do I want to coach right now, or not, or save it for later, or not even talk about it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and it depends on the situation. So I do that with my kids. We also now do that with our uh, teammates and, and, and partners. Yeah. Um, my wife and I were each so other powerful. and in, in the, scri- in the scribe call recently with Isaiah, um, the scribe team, we were doing this 10, four communications training. And this is something we do internally where, uh, Isaiah calls it guard up. So we came up with this tactic called guard up, guard down, you know, like if, I, if I'm talking with you and I know you're just like livid and I can tell you're kind of irrational I, in my mind, I'm trying to train myself, just calm young down. Like, let's not push it Mm -hmm. right now, guard up, get it down and then take a break or, or we're at a spot where we can talk. So I try to do my best to, to whether it's professionally or or in my parenting, I feel like there's a lot of similarities there.
0: You're, you're very, very sage and smart for uh, processing the information like that. It's very helpful for me to hear that, actually, because I think that I I don't actually do that well. My wife is incredible at it, so you may want to add her to your list of uh, potential uh, future leaders for one of your businesses, because she is naturally gifted at that. She's very good at, like, I call her the neutralizer, right? So if you're, like, super high or or angry, she'll bring you down before she talks to you. Same with the kids and me, right? And if you're super bummed out or down, she'll bring you up as well. Like, she'll get you to a level, you know, and then she kind of, like, wants you right in the middle. (laughs) So that's really interesting that you uh, broke it down like that. It's very interesting how much um, uh, systems you built and and codified like a lot of this stuff. And it's awesome, man. It sounds
1: like you. Um, Does your wife naturally do that or does she have a background in psychology or
0: how did she learn that? She naturally does it. And, And it's kind of funny because like I feel like her and I are a good match because we're so different, right? Like I think that I'm, you know, very, very high emotions, you know, and just like. Uh, I'm a big dreamer and, and, and pusher and, and driver and she's very even. And it's kind of funny because stereotypically speaking, like sh- she has, she has a lot of Asian cultural like elements. I'm like, you know, you're, you're very like Zen and like, and almost Buddhist to a certain degree, <laughs> cause you don't want anything to be like deviating from this norm. Um, and it's like this, it's like this flip flop of cultures a little bit, but, um, yeah, she's really good at it naturally, and I, I I noticed her doing it. She's always telling me like, "Young, like, calm down, calm the kid down first before we start coaching." I'm like, "No, just, just tell them. it's like, it's not okay to do that, or like, they can't, they shouldn't be so upset about something. It's not a big deal." And like, I don't know, I'm very, I'm very like, I equal force, right? And but I'm also not a coach like you are, and I, I think that that's that's a big pointer that you just named out. Maybe that's a skill that I can start working on is like coaching. That's a good one.
1: I've just been reading and like learning all some of the stuff I've done naturally and, and progressed, and, and some I didn't do early on. And, um, and it, yeah, to me, one of a com- the common traits I see in uh, whether sports or business, in my opinion, some of the great leaders, it's it's like eighty percent psychology and twenty percent x's and o's. Is. and and you know yeah. what I would it say really to is. more of the like to that. Uh, to that operator type or the like let's just fix it quick type like some of the front row dads are like i just want to solve my wife's problem and i go well yeah i hear you but in my at least in my opinion and yep. what i see sometimes the best way to solve it is just to listen and not try to fix
0: it and ironically you solve yep. it the fastest yep. Yep. and it's like 'm I'm, I'm completely convinced now that my wife is back to you and paid you to, to be on this bike. <laughs> I was like making a joke about it earlier, but like now I, I'll actually put money on the fact that she gave you money to come on the show and talk to us. So <laughs> I love it. Hey, uh, Jared, I do want to be conscious of your time. So let me switch gears a little bit. I have uh, a rapid fire mm-hmm. questions I like to ask every guest to create some symmetry to the show. So let me fire those off real quick, okay. <clears throat> What advice do you have for other parents and soon-to-be parents? Put your own oxygen mask on first. Explain. You know,
1: if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of each other. And if we can't take care of each other, we're just not going to be
0: the best forms of ourselves for our kids. That is an amazing piece of advice. Oh, man. I'm totally going to steal that. That's really, really smart. It's very, very right. Very, very right. Okay. If you can go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids, what would you tell yourself?
1: That comment... Plus, uh, make a lot more money and save, save (laughs) for, no, uh, um, no, probably, probably that comment and, um, and just to sort of like get okay with the unpredictable and getting out of your routine. That's been a struggle for me. And I still struggle with that. Like, I, I love a good routine. And, and, and getting into the zone regularly, right. As a player, as a, as a, as a business professional, you have kids and my goodness, there's just a lot of things that are out of your control and it can be very, you know, you're not, you're not getting your sleep. It's just, it's, that part is really hard. That is hard.
0: Um, What is the most, um, excuse me, what is the most surprising thing that you've learned about yourself after becoming a parent? Knowing
1: how much I like a good regiment. Oh, god! The needing to work on like the 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 flow more. It's just it's just hard. Like my wife is really good at just. It's like sometimes, and I think that's the creative side of me, where I'm so used to like creative time and white space, and like, and I don't get as much of that as I used to, or not as predictable, and that's been a little more. That's been more yeah. challenging for me. So, um, I guess that would be a surprise that I wish I could do better at? I don't know if I'm answering your question yeah. right, but.
0: No, that is a great answer. I mean, I feel, I feel like I'm probably the, um, opposite. I need to be more spontaneous. So I think it's actually a really, really good answer because, um, I didn't, I thought I was like the super chill laid back, you know, dad, cause I was going to be super, I'm super fun. I'm super loud and da da da. But like, I'm like, as a parent, I didn't realize how structured I was, you know, like, you know, like have breakfast, go do this, like everything needs to be planned out, and it's it's pretty bad, yeah. And so, like, even this last Saturday, we took the girls very spontaneously. They just like jumped in the pool before breakfast, and it was like freaking me out. I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> what are they gonna eat if they're gonna eat it? They're gonna eat it like an hour later, like, and then then lunch is gonna be messed up, and and I just like I, I couldn't I couldn't help it. It's just like I, I started getting panicky, you know, and like anxiety attacks, but. We ended up just making the whole day spontaneous and we just went full blown and it was super fun and it ended up being one of the most amazing Saturdays I've had. We went to the museum of ice cream and the girls still talk about it today, right? But everything about that day was random and spontaneous and I just like realized last Saturday how structured I am. So yes, I'm the exact opposite of you in that sense. I think I like, I did the opposite, right? Where you're, you kind of went into it thinking the opposite of me. All right. What is your all-time favorite business book?
1: All right. I'll say one that I don't think is going to be very common. Um, uh, we'll go with two. Uh, we'll go with two. Okay. There's a book called Quiet by Susan Cain. Um, hmm. And it's about uh, the the power of introverts in a world that doesn't stop talking. And – for me, that was a really impactful book. I read give and take it mentioned that book in give and take, which I also loved. And I was like, I'm gonna go read that because at the time I was at a startup where I was the only extrovert with all with like eight introverts. And, um, and the book Good to Great talks about uh, the charismatic leader can sometimes leave a hole when they leave a company. And, and, and i that stuck out with me, because I am charismatic, you know. I have this natural Southern charm. I can be very charming, and, and and I can draw people in. But that can also be a problem, right? I could attract the wrong people. Um, so I, I I went deep on learning more about the introverted leader and their positive qualities. And that quiet book was really good. And I started to adopt those into my leadership style um, to try to have this balance oh, wow. of you know the 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 personality and the charisma but also the introverted leader where others can shine
0: around me. And it's not just me. Jeez, man, you are optimizing everything. I love it. <laughs> Good for you, man. That's fantastic. Thanks for that. Did you say you want to give a second oh, yeah, book? that's right. You said Thank you. you.
1: Um, the other book here is called reboot, um, by Jerry Colonna, I think, um, who, who was a VC mm-hmm. for a while. And, and now he's like a, a mental strength coach or therapist, um, and that book is really powerful, and about leadership being this radical self-inquiry, and and your hardwiring from a kid or past experiences. And he called it the ghost in the machines, like bad code coming out, and how that can impact your, mm-hmm. your leadership yeah. uh, without you even realizing it.
0: That's great, man. Thanks for sharing those. I haven't heard either one of them. So I'll have to check those out. Yeah, I like I like love this question because I get like a huge reading list. And um, and my goal is to like try to read like 10 books a year. And so just like sometimes it's like, you know, what am I going to read next? You know, I mean, obviously, there's a million books to read, but it's always great to talk to people about the books. And these are I've never heard these books. It's awesome. And then my last question to bring us home. um, When you're not being a a super entrepreneur and a builder and a a super coach and, and a super dad. Uh, what do you do for fun? What's your downtime stuff?
1: I love I love snowboarding on a powder day. Uh, haven't had a lot of that lately because of, of the young kids. But um, that, uh, I'll wake surf occasionally, um, buddy's boat in Vegas, which is a lot of fun. Um, but I would say, yes, yeah, so anything anything kind of outdoors. So, like, if, if I have my ideal sort of flow state, like at least once just a week I'm doing – uh, a hike or um or or getting on the paddleboard um something like that.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, man. And I, I definitely can't wait till our girls are a little older and we'll go yeah, take them yeah. snowboarding together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I my, uh, we went to Utah in February and and my oldest we got we rented skis and we were practicing ahead of time and uh I uh, had my assistant put together a couple of like how-to videos and little things that she could just kind of watch. Like she was yeah. just on her own, sort of watching them and then we were skiing in the in the living room and then she did so good on the mountain and it was the coolest thing going down the hill with your four and a half year old, and you're like oh, God, what the hell you? oh my goodness. And I learned how to ski with her, which was fun because I'm more of a snowboarder and it was it was super
0: yeah. cool. It was just well, on the skis, dude, like they're like these two and a half yeah. year olds, just like whipping yeah. down the <laughs> and, and they're so darn cute. they're so darn
1: cute too. And I like—I don't know—I love the little uh, ski outfits. Like I, I think it'd be so fun. Like we take all the kids, oh, and we're all yeah. in the same like pajama outfits or little dinosaurs coming down the hill. Um, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I wore a Ghostbuster outfit, and she had a little pumpkin outfit on, and I was chasing her.
0: It's so funny. Yeah, it's so gnarly watching these little kids. Yeah. Jared, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about, you know, business, life, and parenting. It's been really, really enjoyable. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on, Young. It was uh, a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you so right. much. We'll talk Great. soon, okay? Thank you again for listening to The Girl Dad Show. To help our show grow, please let us know who we should interview next by filling out the form on our website or commenting below.